Greetings. Greetings. I am Sam Petroda, Chairman of the Indian Overseas Congress. Once again, greetings from New Delhi. I am delighted to be a part of the series being launched by Congress Party from Delhi in conversation with. My background is the fact that I've been with the Congress Party since mid-80s. I was born and raised in a small little village in Orissa, got a degree in physics, went to America in 1964, and had the privilege of coming back to India and working with Rajiv Gandhi for a decade. Then again, for a decade, with Dr. Manmohan Singh. And now, I am part of the Indian Overseas Congress. And I want to thank all of you for giving me this opportunity to have a meaningful conversation with you. As part of the process, I would be getting some questions here, which will appear on my screen. And I will try to cover as many as I can. I'm sure there will be lots of questions. I may not be able to answer each and every one of these questions, but I'll try my best. I'll try to be brief. I'll read a question in advance so you get a little feel for the question. I may not read exactly the way it is. So let's start with our first question from Himanshu. Himanshu, thank you for opening the conversation. Why do you think your recent comments on Balakot airstrikes were blown out of proportion? Himanshu, believe me, I don't know why. There is a 35-minute videotape that you can watch for yourself. I don't think I ever said anything that deserved the kind of response I got. I was flabbergasted that Prime Minister of the country had to come in and tweet four times. President of the BJP party had to conduct a press conference. Several cabinet ministers had to talk to press. I just don't get it. The fact is that I raised a basic question, created controversy in their mind, the entire thing was based on lies. I wish PM and Mr. Amit Shah and other would take time to see the tape and then have the guts to say what they said. But that's what is going on today in India. I accept what I said. There is nothing that is negative in the tape, and I request you all to look at it again. And I think that's enough said about the past. Let's move forward and talk about the future. Second question from Jasdeep Singh. Many people have the misconception that you are not Indian. Would you mind clarifying? Look at my face. Don't I look Indian? 
I am a hardcore Indian. Born and raised in 1942. Of Gujarati parents in Orissa. Went to US in 64. And then I used to work for the Defense Department in telecom and IT and all that. Not directly, indirectly. Because I had a business that used to do business all over the country with the government as well. So I changed my nationality to US. Then when I came back to India to work for the Prime Minister Rajiv Gandhi, I changed my nationality back to Indian. I'm an Indian. Passport really don't matter. But in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, I'm very Indian. I'm thankful to America for all the technology and tools and the background I got in the field of telecom IT. So I'm basically world citizen. I feel for the humanity. I'm concerned for India. And I'm really concerned for global issues as well. Question number three. Nalendra Banerjee. You have worked closely with Rajiv Gandhi and now you are working closely with, working closely with Rahul Gandhi. How do you think two leaders are different in their approaches? 80s were very different times. In those days, privatization, liberalization, free market economy was something people were not comfortable with. India has come a long way in 35 years. We are a different country altogether. With young population, connectivity we have, energy we have, and today's India demands young leader. Rajiv was the right leader at that time, who generated a lot of hopes, aspirations, and created dream for India in 21st century. Rahul Gandhi is also a young leader. He is analytical, well-read. He has the right pedigree. His heart is in the right place. He is concerned about people at the bottom of the economic pyramid. He is honest. He is sincere. He is energetic. And to me, he is a great leader for young India. But his task is a little difficult because of social media, money power, everyone has chance to bombard with all kinds of misinformation campaign. But that's life. They are both different in their ways of approach. All of us are different. Leadership can come from different tracks. You could be tyrant leader, you could be collaborative, father figure, compassionate, you could be analytical. So quality of leadership also evolves. Next question is from Natasha. What is the one thing about you that people are not aware of? I don't know. You have to ask that to people. But I would say 
I paint that not many people know. It's a very personal thing. I've been painting for 50 years. I'm a reasonably good family man. I have two wonderful children, two wonderful grandchildren, a great wife who was my romance and love when I was 20 and she was 19. And I've been married to her for 53 years. I'm a family man. Natasa, I hope that answers part of your question. Vidya Raj, what would you name your autobiography? Vidya, my autobiography is already written. There are two books on me. One was written in 1992 by Mayank Chaya, which was a biography titled Sam Petroda. Then I decided to write a biography of my own in 2015, mainly for my, for my granddaughter. It's called Dreaming Big, My Journey to Connect India. Published by Penguin. It's translated in many Indian languages. Available on Amazon.com. It's available in Gujarati, Malayalam, Marathi, and few other languages. Even in Spanish. I hope you get to look at it. It's unfortunate that very few people know about it. But I hope you enjoy reading it. I really wrote it for my own granddaughter because I thought someday when she grows up, she will ask, who was this old man who came to America 100 years ago, 80 years ago? And she would wonder. And whatever her father tells her is going to be very different from what I want to tell her. Because her father, my son, was born and raised in the US. He sees the world very differently than I see it because of my upbringing in tribal Orissa. I hope you take some time from your busy schedule to at least scan through it. Alinur Tigale, what is your guilty pleasure? My real guilty pleasure is to quietly spend time with my two grandkids. I don't get much time in life. I tell everybody that I have everything given to me except time. I hardly get to spend four or five days with my own children. So when I get to spend little time with my grandchildren, that's the best joy for me. I don't know even how to describe to you. Whether it's a guilty pleasure or not, but it is indeed the joy of my life. When and how did Satyanara and Petroda became Sam Petroda? Interesting story. I took my first job in 1965 in the US. And in the company, there was an old lady secretary. And she just could not not pronounce my name Satyanarayan, American lady. So decided she decided on her own to call me Sam. And when I got my first paycheck, it had Sam Petroda written on it. I went to her, realized that everybody's calling me Sam here. I didn't know that. She had opened a bank account for me in a small little village called Crystal Lake outside of Chicago. And I thought 
if I fight about my name, I won't get my pay for another two weeks. I needed money badly. So I said, it's okay to be called Sam. So just stuck with it. Arshad Chisti, when and how did Satyanarayan? Oh, I already answered that. Thank you. What are the three things that BJP government achieved in the three key things they missed? I got to think a little bit. But let me say that I give them credit for continuing with all the digital platforms that we had designed in Manmohan Singh's time. This includes UID, e-governance, connectivity to panchayats, all the digital platforms related to e-governance, and I'm thankful to them for not killing it. I believe that was the main good thing that I saw. Three key things they missed, jobs, jobs, and jobs. Those are the three things they really missed. A young country like India with young population cannot afford to miss on jobs for four years in a row. We were promised that we will create 10 million jobs a year. Not only we, this government did not create 10 million jobs, but they also took away, I am told, 4 million jobs. Now that's brutal. It'll take long, long time to recover from job crisis. Added to that was demonetization, GST, farmer distress. That really hurts. And I hope people can see the pain in what they're conscious in the next election. Next question is from Chaudhary Ugarsen Sahu. In modern democracies, how do you think social media is shaping the way we fight elections? I think social media is a great tool to reach out to large number of people at lowest possible cost. Unfortunately, social media also amplifies lies, which is of great concern to me. Social media also gives you different experience in video, data, graphics, interactivity. But it's difficult to find truth. All kinds of people who hide behind that curtain send gossip, misinformation, wrong claims, and it becomes tutu meme. There is just too much noise on social media. And that bothers me. How do you separate truth from lie? It's a big, big challenge in social media. How do you really get down to the real issues? So when I see a lot of young people having great fun, looking at cartoons, Bollywood song, some little satire, 
little drama, little video clip, I want them to remember that the real message is not entertainment in election. Real message is, what are we asking you to do? We are really asking you to not outsource your thinking. We are asking you to think for yourself. Think about the kind of India we have created in the last five years. And think about the kind of India you want to live in. Think about the fact that would you like somebody in your family to lie to you? Create fear for you? Mistrust you? Tell you what to eat and what not to eat? Take your freedom away from you? If that's the India you want to live in, God save you. If you really want democracy, freedom, inclusion, diversity, then you got to think about how you are going to vote. So social media is to really deliver the right kind of message to you in variety of different forms. Vijay Soni is saying, Ek book jo aap kisi ko gift karna chahenge, to kaun si hogi wo, aur aap kisko ye gift denge? Very good question, Vijay. I would like to give two gifts, two books. One, Discovery of India by Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru. And two, Autobiography of Mahatma Gandhi. And I would like to give these two books to every young first-time voter in India. Only through these two books you can understand the sacrifice your parents and their parents have made. Only through these two books you can understand the kind of India you come from and the kind of India you want to build. The pain they have gone through, the prospects they have created for you. And believe me, these two books are just exceptional. I hope you get chance to read both of these books. Next, Pradhan Gurjar says, what message do you want to give to the young Indians as they go out to vote in two weeks, especially for the first time voters? We will have close to 100 million first time voters in this 2019 elections. It's a huge number. These people can really decide the destiny of India. They can decide what kind of a nation we want to build. When they have cast vote this time, they have a lot at stake. It is not just any election. This is one of the most important elections in the history of India. It is going to decide the destiny of this country for a long, long time to come. Do you want to build India which is inclusive, full of love, affection, diversity, democracy, freedom? Then you got to vote one way. If you want to build India which is going to be constantly divided based on religion, create fear based on what's happening on the border, and it's all fake, it's all lies, then you vote that way. Option is yours. 
and I'm telling you from my own experiences. I'm speaking from my heart and not from my brain. Think about it. Your vote is very, very valuable. Before you cast that vote, close your eyes for a minute and see what you're going to do. Will you do justice to this great country or will you do injustice to this great country? At that point in time, destiny of India is going to be in your hand. And I urge you to think, ask and act accordingly. Whatever you act in democracy, that is acceptable. But I know you are smart. I know you can understand the reality. I also request you to listen to your parents and grandparents on these issues. Listen to your friends. Read little more and think carefully before you vote. Niraj Bhatia, what are the three main issues in the upcoming elections will be fought upon? I believe it's going to be jobs, jobs, jobs. And then comes from jobs. Economy, infrastructure, creating right environment for startups, entrepreneurship, technology, trade, export, small and medium scale industries, artisans, unorganized sector, construction, food chain, energy, telecom, all of these areas really need to be looked at to unleash the energy of Indian entrepreneur. Give them opportunity to really create new jobs on their own. Government has been controlling a lot of these things for too long. We did start liberalization in 1991 during Congress party regime. That gave us huge amount of growth for over a decade. During Manmohan Singh's time, we grew at 8% or more for 8 years out of 10. In the last 5 years, our growth has gone down. We have not created jobs. So I think it is about time to focus on the real issues and not get taken away and lose our sight from the real issues to all the propaganda. Real issues are right inside. Real issue is lack of performance. Real issue is not enemy. Real issue is not fear. Real issue is lack of performance. Ajay Singh says, Aapki biggest achievement kya hai? My biggest achievement is my two great, wonderful children. I have a son who is about 45, who went to MIT, went to Harvard, got an MBA, electrical engineer. I have a wonderful daughter, about 41. She went to Michigan, then went to London Business School, and she makes movies in Hollywood. And they're great kids. And I have the best of the best grandchildren, Arya, 
and Ishan. What else you want? I have great family, wonderful friends, lots of support from everybody. I have no complaints in life at all. Next, Ajish is asking, how will you create jobs if Congress comes to power? We know how to create jobs. We have done it in the past. In Rajiv Gandhi's time, when I entered scene, with his political will and support, we started with a journey where we had 2 million telephones for 750 million people then. It used to take 10 years to get telephone connection. We laid out a program and planted right seeds for indigenous development, young talent, digital technology, microprocessors, C++. This is 1981-82. All that we planted then, 25 years down the road, today has given us 1.2 billion phones. We have created millions and millions of jobs. In addition, today we export $150 billion worth of software export. Every year, year after year. Not only we have created jobs, we have gained great deal of respect in global community. Our businesses are now worth hundreds of billions. We have created huge multinationals. We have name recognition all over the world as talented young Indians. Our people are leading one of the world's largest corporations all over the world. Similarly, we created jobs in milk revolution. We eradicated polio by making India the largest producer of vaccine in the world. And when we started in 1985-86, we never produced any vaccine. We did same thing in agriculture, agricultural revolution. We planted seeds in space. We know how to create jobs. And I guarantee that we will create jobs that we are telling you we will. No doubt about our ability to create new jobs. We'll be creative, innovative. We'll liberalize our economy in many ways. We'll also create jobs in public sector. We will create jobs in the SMEs, in startups, in software, in genetics, in biotech, nanotechs, materials, stem cell research, agriculture. We know it. Just trust. Gayatri Devi is asking, how will Congress party manage the money required for Nyan? Very good question, Gayatri. Lot of our economists have looked at Nyai very well, studied it, analyzed it. It is still work in process. We believe there is enough resources available in the system. Let me give you just off-the-cuff reaction. I'm not an economist, so don't take my answer too seriously. But if we have 50 million families, 
who will be given roughly thousand dollars, seventy-six thousand rupees, let's say, roughly seventy-two. You are talking about fifty billion dollars for over two hundred million people, because each family has roughly, let's say, four people. For two hundred million poor, fifty billion dollar is nothing for a nation of our size. Let me tell you, top ten wealthiest people of the world probably get fifty billion dollar in interest payment, and you are telling me we can't feed two hundred million hungry of our colleagues. We will find money. There is enough money in the system. and if there has to be some adjustment it will be made it's a moral commitment and we all have to bite the bullet together it is a social commitment from all of us how can we have our neighbor go hungry and we worry about 1 point in gdp or not to me it is a big challenge and i think collectively will face the challenge 16th question is from shivani jain aaj ki shiksha vyavastha ke aapka kya khayal hai shivani i would request you to go google and find a report of the national knowledge commission During Dr. Manmohan Singh's time, National Knowledge Commission was set up, which was world's first commission on knowledge. I had the privilege to work on Knowledge Commission, along with some distinguished nine people with me. We all spent three years together, looked at twenty-seven different subjects, access to knowledge. knowledge concepts knowledge creation knowledge applications knowledge in government studied 27 subjects came up with 300 recommendations it's all there just go read it but we could not implement lot of it partly because of political conflict vested interests but we also implemented lot of it give an example at the cost of about 4 billion dollars we built national knowledge network we took 1100 nodes connected all to optical fiber 4 gigabit bandwidth now it has been increased to 10 i am told to connect all our universities all our r&d labs so we could do better research we could enhance and improve education no one talks about it no one even understands what it means sad to say even the vice chancellors of the university know very little about national knowledge network we have been praised in advanced countries for our initiative on knowledge network and i am sure you have never heard of it this network is connected to us it is connected to eu it is connected to far east we are going to be sharing it with bangladesh 
it's a very powerful tool and i hope young people like you can learn to use these tools i know we have lot more to talk i'm sure there are lots of questions we still have some time so one i would encourage you to ask some questions in the process i want to tell you that you are lucky to be living in this great country i was born 77 years ago india was then not independent in 47 when india became independent i was about 5 years old growing up in our ecosystem the idea of india rooted in congress values was the core idea growing up gandhian values rooted in truth trust simplicity love self reliance inclusion diversity were very fundamental to us i find that in the process we have lost some of the values rooted in our family rooted in our community some of it has to do with rapid urbanization rapid westernization influence of television social media but i urge all of our young people to really think about going back to our roots that is where your strength lies your strength lies in your roots go examine little bit of who your grandfather was where did he come from what did he do how did he get where he got and those human stories are going to be most interesting human stories which will shape your future and your children's future similarly this election is going to dictate the destiny of this country this election is not about what happens on the border and the fear generated by it this election is not about blaming people like me that we are not nationalist who are they to blame me what qualification they have i think they ought to look at their face in the mirror before asking me but this is all a design created to intimidate you and media is really not very supportive of different ideas most of the media keep bombarding same messages over and over again i expect media to ask the questions that i have asked it is their job to ask the questions and not mine since they don't ask questions people like me have to ask questions and when i ask questions everybody panics we are a democracy we have the freedom we cherish that and we want all our young people to value our democracy to value our freedom and vote effectively in the next election i hope this sort of concludes it you know we had one hour i had to finish in 40 minutes
but that's okay. I hope we'll get another chance. Maybe what we'll do at the next session is we'll talk about technology. Because a lot of our young people want to know more about technology. Where are we in technology? Where is technology going? How is it going to affect our jobs? What do we do about big data, analytics, robotics, machine learning, and all that? How would we use technology to improve our agriculture productivity? What kind of jobs we need to create in the future? All of these are very, very exciting topics. So with this, I want to thank you all for listening to me. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I want to thank Divya and her team of young people here to give me all the support and get this done seamlessly. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.